Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> keep it. I'm just kidding. Don't don't keep it coming. That's good. Um, man. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. I'm not sure if I'm wearing this thing correctly. Uh, awesome to be with you. I am suit. Like Rob said, I'm very excited about the passage tonight. And um, oh, thank you so much. Everybody hear me? Pops? Dad? Cool. Thanks. Um, man, that that worship set just got to me. And I uh, I was back there. Um, I'm a crier, so that's okay. We'll get through this together. Um, just uh, reminded of how good God is and um, where he has brought me in my life to, <clears throat> to be in a position to share God's word with you is just really humbling. So um, open up your Bibles. <clears throat> Woo! Okay, here we go. Open up your Bibles um, or your phones or iPad or whatever you have. Or maybe you have uh, your the New Testament memorized, so that would work too. Um, we are going to close our Sermon on the Mount series uh, this evening in uh, you know Matthew Matthew chapter five. Hopefully you you were working on memorizing some of the Beatitudes, and then we finally got done with the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to wrap it up tonight in James chapter two, which is nowhere close to Matthew chapter. Five, but we're going to do it anyway. So uh, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to jump in to James chapter two. God, thank you so much for how much you love us. God, thank you um, for this place. God, thanks for a chance to worship. Thank you that uh, you have spoken to people that have written songs that that um, just speak of your character and. Uh, what you are like. God, thank you for your word and how good it is, how true it is, that it that it can actually change us and change our hearts. And I pray that tonight, that everyone uh, hearing this, um, God, that you would meet them in a specific way like only you can do, that your spirit would help us leave here changed people, that we wouldn't come in or we wouldn't leave the same way that we came in. So I just ask that you would speak through your word, speak through me, um, and just a blessing over this time. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. All right. James chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14. And before we hop in, if you are a note taker or want to know the entire point of my sermon, uh, maybe I shouldn't do that because then everyone's going to check out, but that's okay. I'll tell you anyway. It's this. God wants more of your heart. That's, That's the whole point. That, that Jesus loves you so much that he wants more of your heart. And when we read this passage, that might not be what you get out of the passage. Um, I've read this passage a lot throughout college and, uh, and taught it a lot and have never thought that about this passage. But studying it this week, that's what I think he's talking about. And when you read it in light of the entire Bible, I believe it lines up that God wants more of your heart. So we're going to start James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Here we go. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is 
one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Okay, the main, the main kind of passage or the main theme of this is faith without works is dead. And for so long when I've read this passage, it's faith without works is dead. It seems like it's just punishment. God's saying, hey, you need to do more stuff. Your faith, you, if you don't have works, your faith is dead. Just do more works. And, and I don't think that's anywhere in Scripture. It's similar to the Sermon on the Mount, right? In, in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, Jesus is combating that whole idea of just, hey, man, if you just do the right thing, you'll get into heaven. If you just do the right thing, you, you'll be able to follow me or call yourself a Christ follower or whatever, right? When Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder anyone. And you can, you can almost feel first century Jews in the crowd just saying like, okay, check that box, didn't murder. And then he says, but I tell you the truth, even if you have hated someone in your heart, you have committed murder. And then you can almost feel people like get knocked down a peg. You're like, oh, dang it. That's no good. Right, Jesus is saying it's more about the heart than it is the action. We as Christians, maybe it's just me, but I'm going to make a generalization. And if you agree, um, you can just maybe nod your head or something. But uh, we as, as Christians and Americans, we try, we, we want a checklist, right? We want to cut corners. We want the, the fastest way between point A and point B, right? When I, when I swipe through on my social media feed, it's three steps to lose 20 pounds, or it's three steps to be a millionaire in real estate, or three steps to be a bajillionaire in crypto. It's all, all these things, and everyone, oh my gosh, if I only have to do three things and I can get this that quickly, we try to whittle it down to the lowest common denominator and figure out, what do I need to do? It's, it's the same thing that the rich young ruler says in, um, in Luke. He comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? Just give, me, just give me the things. And Jesus kind of plays the game with him a little bit and kind of lists off all the, the commandments, similar to, to how he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, have you, have you committed murder? Committed adultery? And the guy's like, nope, I got it all. And then he says, one thing you lack, sell everything. And the rich young ruler leaves, sad. Jesus is trying to get to the heart. It is not a checklist it's similar to, again, in the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels, they go up to Jesus and they say, what is the greatest commandment? Just tell me the one, right? I know there's a lot. There's a ton of commandments and in, in, uh, commands in the Old Testament, a bunch of laws. Just tell me the one. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what we do with our faith. Again, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but, but I would imagine there's some of you out there that are doing the same thing. Man, if I just do these things, if I just show up at church, write a check, be nice, I'm in. 
And I think this passage, and I think the Sermon on the Mount, the whole point is God's saying, no, I, I want more for you. I want your heart. I want more of your heart every day. I want, a, I want a deeper relationship, deeper communion with you. And, and Jesus even kind of combats this again if in, on the Sermon on the Mount. The last verse that Rob ended with last week, the last verse of the Sermon on the Mount says, if you think that you have, um, if you were sitting there listening to Jesus, and maybe you thought to yourself, I've never hated anyone in my heart. I've never lusted after anything. My heart is pure. I'm doing great. Then the last verse is, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Just in case you thought you were doing well, you got to be perfect. And so that's where all these, these questions come from. Wait, wait, I thought you were going to give us a list, but I have to be perfect? Anyone out there feel like they're perfect? Just me? Just kidding. Um, the checklist is not anywhere in Scripture on what God desires of us. It's about our heart. So then, after, um, after the rich young ruler happens, he turns away, walks away, and the disciples, the people that were listening, you can, you can feel their frustration, and they go up to Jesus and they said, you can be saved. Right? If it's not the guy who did all the commandments, you already told us on the Sermon on the Mount that we had to be perfect. They hadn't read this at this point, but James says faith without works. Like, what, what is it? And he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Luke chapter 18, verse 27. That all of these checklists, all of these strivings to do the right things, that it's all impossible apart from God and that God wants us to rely fully on himself. Faith without works is dead. It's not a punishment. It's actually because Jesus loves us. He says your, your works... Your, your faith is worthless without works because he's given you the good gifts and the ability to do the work. That it starts with a relationship with Jesus and that, it, that, that out of that overflow is works. Ephesians chapter 2, I think every time I preach, I read this passage, but it's one of my favorites, so we're going to do it again. Ephesians chapter 2, starting um, in verse 1, says this, As for you... That's you and me. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature deserving of wrath. So you and me, dead in our transgressions. There's nothing dead there's nothing you can do for someone who is dead. Verse 4. One of the best verses in in scripture. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. So we were dead in our sin, God made us alive in Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. This is not a checklist. This is not because you did the right things. It is the gift of God. Again, in verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. 
And then verse 10, after all of that, after God has raised us up and made alive with Christ and have the ability to follow him, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That, if that verse is true, which it is because it's in the, in the Bible, the God of the universe that created all of this, this the beautiful sky, star, I don't know if the stars, are the stars out? No, it's a little cloudy. Darn. Okay. Just this incredible earth, you, me, the creation is just absurd. He created that. And then also, in advance of us, he created stuff for us to do. Do you think the God that created all of this is like, man, there's that thing I need done in Somerville. I really hope Cam does it because I cannot take care of it. I, I don't think that God is just waiting for us to do. So if that's not it, why? Why has he created these good works for us to do? It's because he loves us and he wants us to experience more of him, more of himself. He doesn't need us to do these things. It's out of his great love for us that he's given us the ability to do good works. That his, that his mercy and his love and his grace extend into what we actually get to do, the action that comes from our faith. That too many times we think of the, the love of God is, hey, I'm a sinner, God loves me, okay, cool, I believe in God, yes, we're good. I go to church, this is a cool thing. But God's saying, no, 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 I, w- I want more. Step out in faith. Do, do the work that I've called you to do, that I created in advance for you. To, if we just believe that every day, that there is stuff for us to do that God created before we were born for us to do. Acts talks about how that he, knew, he knows the place that you are going to live and the place that you're going to go. He knew all of that, knows all of that, and then has works for us to do in the midst of it. So then, if that's what works, if, if works really are, if that's the why that faith without works is dead, that, that we should be striving to do these works out of a love for God, out of that incredible passage in Ephesians of the gospel, what are the works? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it. The works are this. Uh, this is my definition. This is not in the Bible. So if you don't like it, we can talk about it later. Um, Giving, sacrificially giving of your time, talent, and treasure where you live, work, and play. Sacrificially giving of your time, talent, and treasure where you live, work, and play. Time is just the ministry of presence. I I like to hold on to my time a lot. Uh, I'm very selfish with it. But uh, I believe that the work of God is that we would would sacrificially give our time to to those in need, to people in need, whether it's a neighbor, a coworker, uh, a family member, our talent, stuff that we're good at, that we would, that like the people who love hanging around small kids who are back in Hope Church or Hope Kids right now, they are sacrificially giving of both their time and their talent to further the kingdom. And then treasure, stuff that we own, sacrificially giving of our money and of our things so that people could experience the kingdom. And then wherever you live, work, or play. That's just a, um, stole that from Neil McGlowan, who's preached here a couple times. Is, um, he probably stole it from somewhere too. But just the, just the idea of as we go, right? There's no, this, the, the, we think of the work of God a lot of times as like, we, I need to go on a mission trip or I need to be doing something at church. But just a, as we go, how can we be sacrificially giving of our time, our talent, 
and our treasure. We say uh, all the time that the gospel is not about comfort and privilege. It's about humility and sacrifice. And that's what it takes to give of these things. And the best part about this is they are more for you than the person receiving it, in my opinion. That if, if we really believed what, what I believe the passage teach, teaches, that the God of the universe who is crazy about us, who loves us, who died on a cross for us, is asking us to step out in faith and to do something that he is going to show up in, and we say yes to that, the end result is we were obedient to God, we heard his voice, we stepped out in faith, he showed up, we received the blessing of knowing, oh my gosh, there's a God who loves me and cares enough about me to have planned in advance something for me to do to bring even just a, a small percentage more of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We get to be a blessing to give a blessing. That's the, the good works of God. That we, we, we pray, a lot of people pray that the Lord's Prayer, that's what that on earth as it is in heaven part. Heaven, perfection, um, eternity, God in all his glory. And then we get to bring, because God loves us so much, we get to be a part of bringing glimmers of that to this fallen and broken world. The, you might be thinking to yourself, self, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, if you read this passage, right, faith without works is dead, and you might be thinking, man, I don't, I don't even know what that is. I don't, I don't know what that would look like for my life. I don't feel like I have works. Great news. God is crazy about you, and he loves you. This is not a, a passage of punishment or condemnation, that he is calling you to repentance and deeper to himself, that he wants more for you. He wants to make you alive in Christ. And then you might be thinking to yourself, man, I, there's a couple times where I feel like I, I have done that. I have done some works of God. I have stepped out in faith. I have sacrificed. And God has shown up. Again, it's, almost, it's the exact same thing. God is crazy about you. He wants more for you. This whole thing, this whole Christian journey that we are on together is called sanctification, right? That, that God is making us more like himself from now until the day that we die. And we get to mess it up and repent and learn from it. And then we get to get it kind of, kind of right and experience more of him because he is so gracious and that he, his mercy, mercy is more. Spoiler alert, we're going to sing that. It's in my head. Uh, but it's, it's true. That's why we're going to sing it. That he... His love is immeasurably more. And that he loves you so much that he has things for you to do. Again, to experience more of him, not because he cares about a checklist or that he cares about a task list or a chore, chore list for you to do. He wants your heart. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, okay, like in the Ephesians passage when we were dead, Christ died for us, right? So, so the demonstration of God's love is while we were sinning, Christ died for us. And the, the incredible part about that is we then get to demonstrate that love to others while, they were, while the others are maybe our friends, maybe not, maybe even enemies. We can demonstrate that love to them because of what God has done 
for us. God loves you. He is crazy about you. And he has called, he's called you to do the work of God because he wants more for your life. And uh, we, we so often get the works mixed up, right? Uh, when, uh, when people get introduced, most of the time, they say, what do you do? Right? It's like, hi, my name's Cam. Oh, Cam, what do you do? Um, and th- that's where we start with identity. Here, the works are what I do, and then kind of who I am after. Like the actual person is under that. And we've got it so backwards that, that what matters actually is not even who I am, right? It's whose I am. That God, again, that, that my identity is Ephesians 2, that I was dead and God raised me to life. And that defines who I am. And then out of that is actually what I do. It's not the other way around. When we make it the other way around, our works become worthless. Faith without works is dead. I would argue also works by themselves are dead. It's faith and works together is what we are called to do. Jesus said, if anyone was to come, uh, come follow me, pick up your cross, right? Pick up your cross and deny yourself. There's something to do after, after you have that relationship with Jesus. There's action. Faith is action. And it comes out of that. It's not, we don't have to do the right things to earn God's love. Out of God's love becomes an outpouring of what we do. I'm going to read the James uh, chapter 2 passage again. Just, just a, a brief part of it from the message version, translation, whatever it is. It's a, um, it's a paraphrase by a guy named Eugene Peterson. Um, it's, not a, uh, it's not a translation of the Bible, but it's, I think it's helpful the way that he writes. Um, and then we're, we're going to close with something uh, a little bit different. But um, here's what it says. This is, uh, in the, again, the message, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? This is my favorite sentence. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I'm going to read it again because I really like it. Dear friends, do you think that you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. So at, um, as we close tonight, uh, we're going to just do a little bit of a time of prayer. And I would love it if we, I know it's a little bit chilly, but you guys can, you know, grab another blanket. 
just like another 45 or 50 minutes. Um, I'm kidding. Thank you, Liz, for laughing at that. Um, but we're just going to, I think if we were to quiet ourselves more and just ask God, what would you have for me? He would bring people to our mind and situations to our mind and things to our mind and things to give money to and things to spend our time doing and neighbors to serve and friends to serve. Um, just even now that I'm talking, I'm like, man, I should call Will and Sarah and see what I can do for them. And so simple. A lot of them are so simple. Maybe that's of the Lord or maybe that's just me being a bad friend and remembering now. But I, I just, I think that if we were to quiet ourselves, that God really does care about you deeply, that he loves you, that he, that he actually likes you too, that he wants to talk to you. And he wants to say like, hey, go do this. And then when we get to do it, we're like, really? Yeah. Okay. So then you do it. And then you get that incredible blessing of not only serving someone else, but a deeper intimacy with him, deeper communion with Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're just going to stay silent. And I would just ask you to pray. Just pray the prayer. God, what do you have for me? Um, and then I will close us. Does that make sense? Head nods? Awesome. God, thank you for your word. God, thanks that you call us to do things not because you need us, but because you love us and you want more of us. God, I pray right now that in this parking lot that you would meet us, that you would speak to us, that you would show us places in our life where we could serve you. Again, not because you need us, but because you love us. So Jesus, we give you this time. I pray that you would speak to each and every person in this parking lot.